Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. The Bible says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Remember Him. Look at somebody say, Remember Him. Pray with me. God, thank you for remembering us. God, we gather together in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, to honor you today, to celebrate the resurrection of your son and to remember your suffering. God, I pray now that you'd anoint my mouth and my mind to say things that would honor you. God, I pray that you'd give us a supernatural ability to tune out the world and to focus on you and what you've done for your people. God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray you'd create change in this place today. Lord, we pray for our nation. God, that you would bring healing, hope, and unity. God, where there's been division, God, I pray that you would bring unity. Where there's been hate, I pray that you would bring love. God, I pray you'd shine your light on this world uh, and use us to do it. Father, we pray for our brother in Christ, Jeff Harris, God, that you would continue to heal his body. Lord, we pray for Wayne Dorsey, that you continue to heal his body. God, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would help us to be focused on your business. God, we honor you. We give you thanks. We ask you to be our teacher now by your spirit from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're going to be talking this morning, obviously, about communion uh, or the Lord's Supper. Jesus said that this cup is the New Testament in my blood. And he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say how often to do it. He just said when you do it, do it as a way to remember him some churches never have communion some churches have communion every week i don't know how the catholic church is doing it at this point but i was born into the catholic church and uh people will walk down the anybody ever been to catholic church walk down the middle aisle uh that old dude in, in the robe take that cracker you stick your tongue out and he lays it right on your tongue i don't know if that's social distancing protocol in 2021 uh but but there, there's there's uh there's different churches that do things different ways there's no prescribed format to how often you do it but i'm glad that you're here today to be at the lord's table amen uh, we're here to remember the suffering of our god to worship him to to think about him the lord has given his church two ordinances two big uh symbolic ordinances to uh, honor him and to carry out until he comes back. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. The Bible says in Acts 8.37 that if you believe with all your heart, you can be 
baptized. If you're here and you have not been baptized since you've been saved, you need to sign up for our next baptism. You say, well, I've already got baptized. Here's the thing. The scripture says, if you believe with all your heart, if you made a, uh, if you walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, said you got saved, got baptized, and since then have made a real decision, a real commitment to Christ, and got found true salvation, you need to get true baptism. It's, it's theologically, it's called getting your baptism on the proper side of your salvation. I told you my story before. I walked and I prayed a prayer walking out when I was in the third grade, did it again in the fifth grade. Uh, neither one of those worked. I went on to live for flesh, hell, and the devil. Got truly saved on July. I got baptized at, 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 at third grade. Uh, went on to get truly saved on July 15, 1981. And my pastor said, well, Scott, you need to get baptized. And I said, I already been baptized. He said, yeah, but that was before you found true salvation. You need to get baptism on the proper side of your salvation. If you haven't done that, uh, that is one ordinance that the Lord has given his church, and you need to sign up for baptism. Uh, and the second is the Lord's Supper, and we're going to do that together today. These are commanded by our God to do, and they are both, hear me, visual sermons. They're both illustrations. Neither one of them can save you. Uh, there's not enough chlorine or bleach in water to wash away sins. The hymn writer had it right when uh, he said, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You can get baptized in every hole of water between here and California to all the fish know you by first name. That's not going to get you saved. Baptism can't save you. Baptism is a visual illustration. It's a lived out sermon. It is a, it is a picture of you going down into the water and come as, as the old you and coming up out of the water, the Bible says raised to walk in newness of life as the new you. It's declaring what has already happened to you. The Lord's Supper is also a visual sermon. Jesus sat down with his apostles and he had this meal and he told them after his resurrection to do this as a remembrance of him. It's an ordinance that we will be doing today. It so baptism, you got to get that right. 1 Corinthians 11 tells you tells us if you're truly saved to take the Lord's Supper to remember him. And this morning I want us to remember the Lord's suffering for us and his victory over us. Every time we come to communion, I'm um, I'm taken back to the early days. We started this church in June of 2001. It wasn't long after that that the movie The Passion of the Christ came out, and TV cameras were set up at The Passion of the Christ, and people were coming out weeping, sobbing. I saw people tell the local news cameras here in Jacksonville, I never knew, I didn't know he did all that for me. I'm going to love him every day. And I'm thinking, don't your church preach the cross? Don't you know that Jesus suffered and bled and died and, and raised himself from the dead so that we could have eternal life, but we need to be mindful of what God has done. You know, the scripture declares that it's the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Some preachers try to get folk to live right by fear. God's going to get you. When the reality is that that only works for so long. What, what works better as declared by God, God's pattern is that it's his goodness that causes us to change, to love him, and to want to live 
for him. If you ever realize everything that God has done for you, if you keep in your front of your mind all that Jesus went through, if you remember that God has been better to you than you deserve and he saved you when he didn't have to and he kept you saved when he should have let you go, if you ever focus really on all that God has done for you, you're going to want to serve him more. I wish three people could say amen. The whole story about Christianity is supernatural. And I want to tell you, as somebody with multiple degrees in the Bible, as somebody who has spent my entire adult life in theological education, as somebody who has read the Bible every day for almost 40 years, I want to tell you that there's just stuff in here that doesn't make sense to me. How could you say that as a pastor? Because I'm not one of these suit-wearing, I ain't mad at suit-wearing preachers, but I'm not one of these phony, fake, lying preachers that act like they know everything. There's stuff in here. The Bible says that many times his ways are higher than our ways. His ways are past finding out. And so when we can't figure it out, we got to what? Faith it out. So some things you just have to take on faith. Some things you just have to believe uh, that it's right. Why? Because God said so. I told you, my mom, all five foot, she thinks you used to, Still think you're 5'1", Mom? My all five foot uh, and one of my mom, if she says so, prepared me. She's sitting right over there if you don't know her. Prepared me. Uh, wave your hand, Mom. Uh, people are looking for you. Uh, prepared me well to live inside the kingdom of God because my mom only had one answer to every question as I was growing up. Uh, if, if it had to pertain to me wanting to know why, me wanting to understand, if, if, if I ever dared say why, my mom had one response to that. Anybody know what it was? Because I said so. And so I learned early. Well, no sense in questioning it. She said so. And she ain't bigger than me. And she ain't stronger than me. But she can hit hard. And I don't want to deal with it. Um, and... Oh, oh, hey, listen, y'all need, need some, some tips on how to spank your kids. Uh, uh, I can't tell my, my mom that. I wonder if it's a statute of limitations. But anyway, my mom hold me. I, I was one of them running kids. I didn't allow my kids to run. I remember what I did. Seth will tell you, uh, when, when, when I spank your butt because you need it, uh, where, where do I spank your butt? What part of the house? On my bed, stripped down naked, uh, we're calling the law. Call them if they want him, you know. One less mouth for me to feed. But it's a joke, um, a little. But I was one of those runners. Uh, so my mom learned early. If she held on to my wrist, she could feed me in circles as fast as I could run in circles. Uh, and so I learned early, and it prepared me well for life, that when the person in authority tells you to do something, because they said so, it's a good answer. Now, I know Sergeant Major Deacon Dixon can understand that. Uh, before you became the top rank uh, in, in the Army, uh, you, you worked for a lot of people that told you to do stuff that didn't make sense. But you understood they were heavy on the collar, and you just had to do it because they said so. And that prepares people for obeying God. Because if you got to figure everything in the Bible out before you're willing to do it, you're not going to work well in the kingdom. And I'll give you what I'm talking about in specific right now. Here's what God did. God created the heaven and the earth, everything that's in it. He, he, did, he put this whole planet together, put Adam and Eve on the planet. Here's the reality. 
We all come from Adam and Eve. Next time you start talking about my people and my kind, realize every human being on this planet came from the same two people. Mm, something to think about. But then, you know, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Sin separated them from God. They got driven out of the garden. The Bible says sin passed upon all men for all of sin. There, there's been difficulty with that. God made a way to bring man back to being right with him. And here's the way, and it, this is what doesn't make sense to me. He sent his son to die for the guilty. He sent his innocent son to die for the guilty. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. And I'm like, yeah, if, it was, if I was working that plan out, let, let's just say, uh, you know, El, El, Elder Jimmy just wronged me, and he was going to have to, you know, do, do uh, I, I was going to have to figure out how's he going to make this right. Well, first thing he's going to have to do is come you know, fix this broke down fence he put in my yard, overcharged me. That's not real, but it could have been. Uh, and I'd figure out what he had to do to make it right. Here's what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't say, you know what, because you have sinned against me and I love you so much that I want me and you to be right, I'm going to let uh, the government get torture and kill my son just so me and you can be okay again. No. That, 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 that is not my plan. That's not my plan. God decided, and here's the thing. It's not going to make sense to you if you have a rational brain. Why would a holy God tell holy man, unholy man that have sinned against God, I'll pay for your sin, but I'll make my son do it. I'll make my son be tortured and bleed and die. Stripped naked on a cross for all the world to see. I will put him through all of that punishment because the Bible says that the payment for sin is death. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died. Don't you think if that was up to you, you'd make it a little easier uh, on you and a little harder on the guilty? I mean, I don't know, Jennifer, which, which one you want. Uh, you know there's sinners in this room. Uh, if, let, let's just say, you know Rick's a sinner. Uh, if for Rick to get to heaven... Which one do you want to let us torture and kill today, Alex or Ava? Rick's going to hell, huh? Yeah, I mean, that's just the bottom line. You're out. I mean, I dare us as a mama bear. I mean, which, 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 which one? I mean, you, don't, don't you love my sister? You're going to let him, Johnny, you're just going to let him strip us, you're going to let us strip him naked, beat him to death, and kill him just so she can have peace? She, she don't want to say it because she's so sweet, but, but uh, Keon back there said, like, you better. Keon's like, he's like, no, mm, Dina's out. Dina's just in hell. And you, there's nobody, and you need to understand how great the love of our God is. You need to understand. Why, but why did he set it up this way? And, and I don't have the answer for it, but I, I, I can give you this little piece of insight because he loves us so much. And he's always willing to take the hard side so we can have the easy side. That's the God that we believe in at Abundant Life. He said there had to be a sacrifice. Now, if I was putting that plan together, you would be the sacrifice. Not Jake or Seth. You would pay for your own sins. And here's the reality. If God said you got to crawl on broken glass from here to Atlanta while having your feet set on fire, if you wanted to go to heaven, then that would just be what you needed to do. But that's not what he said. 
He said sin has to be paid for. So you either pay for it yourself or you trust in the payment that Jesus made on the cross. God said there had to be a sacrifice. And he told us as often as we uh, do this observance that we remember his suffering. So I want to read to you this morning uh, a couple of passages out of the Gospels that remind us of what the Lord went through for us. Out of Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Hear the story, and, 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 and I want you to focus on this. No matter how many times you've heard about this, I want you to focus on it, and I want you to listen to it and hear me. Believe that it's real. Do you believe this book is real? Yes. See, everybody believes in Jesus. Jesus is the most documented human being in the history of the world. There's been more books written about Jesus than any other human being on the planet. Our calendar is set up on the birth of Christ, before Christ and since the year that he came. There, there, there's no denying that Jesus Christ was on this planet. Everybody believes that Jesus uh, was alive, but everybody doesn't believe that he died for our sins and rose from the dead. That's what makes you a Christian. Because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But I want you to hear and remember today. And I want you to let this time be a spiritual time for you. I want you to let it be a holy time for you. I want you to set aside every thought and focus on the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord in Luke chapter 23, verse 32. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I want you to understand, at this point, Jesus is on the cross. At this point, Jesus has been beaten. At this point, Jesus has suffered. But still, as he was in the act of redeeming all humanity, as he was in the act of giving his life to save us, he still was about his father's business, and the very people that had crucified him, he was asking that God forgave him. If you ever wonder what kind of God we believe in, because everybody to save knows that Jesus is God in the flesh, and this is the kind of God that we serve. This is the kind of God that we believe in. No matter what he's going through, he is still about forgiving people. Don't ever tell me that you're too busy to serve the Lord. Jesus was super busy right then. And he still was doing the will of his father. In verse 35, the Bible says, And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. Here is God in the flesh. The Bible tells us that Jesus was the physical, visible image of the invisible God. He was God in human flesh and the creator is being mocked by the ones he created. Here God is before them. Uh, Jesus Christ is, is stripped naked, dying before them. And they are mocking him. And they're saying, he, sa he saved others, let him save himself. And look at that one phrase near the end of the sentence. If he be Christ, the chosen of God. 
if he, do you know there's still people in this room that, that are thinking in their mind, if he's really who he says he is, why don't he do this? If he's really, listen, don't ever let your mind drift to if he be Christ. I want to tell you of a certainty today. I know and I am sure that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He's the one and only true God. Don't ever doubt who Jesus is. I've never for one moment since I've been saved doubted who Jesus is. I've never for one moment since I've been saved doubted that there was a heaven and that there was a hell. I've never for one moment since I've been saved doubted that Jesus suffered, bled, died, and rose again on the third day. Now, I have doubted uh, whether or not he's really going to let me in. Because I want to tell you, I failed him 10 million times in the last 40 years, but he never failed me once. That's so offensive to say, if he, if he be Christ. Uh, that, don't let your mind doubt the claims of Jesus. Jesus is the most substantiated human being in the planet. His claims have all been verified and fact-checked. You can trust he is who he says he is. Verse 36 says, And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews... Save thyself. Think about how evil you would have to be to see a, a person, just a, another human being, bleeding and, and thirsting, and you fill a sponge up with vinegar, and you shove it up to their bleeding mouth, and you laugh at them as you create more pain on the already suffering. How, how, how could these soldiers, how could these Roman soldiers be that cruel to the Lord that loves them. Let me ask you this. How can you be so cruel to this God that loves you by avoiding him all week long? People ask me, you know, how, how evil must Judas have been? He sold, he knew who Jesus was, and he sold out the Messiah for 30 pieces of silver. Uh, my, my answer to that is at least he got paid we sell him out all the time and don't get anything for it. Think. Think. Verse 38 says, And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Crucifixion was not invented for Jesus. Crucifixion wasn't something new. The Romans had been doing it for a long time and had perfected it. It was their form of capital punishment. When there was a criminal that had to be put to death, listen, all you non-capital punishment people, read the Bible. When there was a criminal that had to be put to death, this was the way that they did it. And they had perfected the torture before the cross. Most people died during the torture. Most people never made it. There was a beating in an in, uh, in arena uh, that killed most of the people that bled out before they got there, but the ones who didn't, they put a cross beam and they made, it, made them carry it through the city with their crime written across it so people could boo them and throw uh, rotten vegetables at them. And the crime that they wrote over, over Jesus' head is, this is the king of the Jews. The religious people of that day didn't like that the ruler had written this as, as his crime. They even said, change that. They wrote it in three different languages. Those were the three prominent languages on the earth at that time, and they wanted everybody to be able to read your crime. And they said, don't write this is the king of the Jews. Write that 
this man claimed to be the king of the Jews, but we have no king but Caesar. And he said, what I've written, I've written. And God made sure that this crime that they accused Jesus of was not a falsehood, but a truth. This is the king of the Jews. And if you're here and you're not Jewish by birth, you ought to thank God that the Bible says that he sent his son to the Jew first, but also to the Gentile. You ought to be glad that he let in other people. Stop thinking your race is the only race. God loves everybody. So in verse 39 it says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ. You see all this doubt about who Jesus is? This doubt is not specific to the cross. This doubt continues today because, honestly, if we believe Jesus is who he says he is, we'd stop living the way we live. If we believe Jesus is who he says he is, we'd serve him at a higher level. And I told you all, the theme for 2021, anybody remember what the theme is? It's time. It's time, believer. It's time to start being the man, the woman, the young person that God wants you to be. In, in, in light of all he's done for us, if he loved us enough to die for him, I think it's reasonable that we ought to love him enough to live for him. And he said, if thou art the Christ, save thyself and us. So here's this criminal getting put to death, which means he had done some really bad things, hanging, dying, looking at Jesus and saying, hey, if you're really who you say you are, which means I don't believe it, but if you are, hook a brother up. Um, this, 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 this mindset is not someone who wants to love Jesus and, want, and believes in Jesus. This is somebody who's just looking for a little fire insurance. You wonder why you've walked the aisle before, prayed to receive Christ, and it's never manifested in true salvation? Because until you're ready to search for him with your whole heart, the Bible says you'll only find me when you search for me with your whole heart in the book of Jeremiah. And walking aisles to get fire insurance and calling out to God while you're in rehab and praying to to, to God the day before you go see the judge, some of that might result in true salvation, but some of it is just this foolishness right here. Some of it is just this selfishness right here and the selfishness of this criminal to doubt Jesus to his face, but then to ask him to save him anyhow. Verse 40, the other one rebuked him saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? He's saying, man, are you crazy? Don't you fear God? Now, see, these were Jews. They have been killed for their crimes. They knew that after you died, you had to stand before God and be judged for your sins. And the, this one is like, man, how can you be talking that way to, to Jesus right now when we're all up here dying together? We're about to stand before God. Don't, don't you fear God? I have the same question for everyone in the room today. How can you live the way you're living? Don't you fear God? Don't you know the end is coming? Don't you know that there's a holy God that is going to... The Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of God. You are going to stand before a holy God one day and you're just out there living in dirt. Even this criminal, this unsaved criminal had enough Enough scripture taught to him some kind of way. He knew enough to say, look, dude, man, you're crazy for what you're saying. Verse 41, he says, and we indeed justly, semicolon. Always pay attention to the punctuation. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. Digest it. Get it down in your spirit. He said, we indeed justly. We, 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 we're supposed to be up here. We, we're getting punished for what we've done. He said, well, this is the due reward of our deeds. This man is admitting 
his sin. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you can't admit your sin, you can't be saved. You go to a swimming pool, people swimming in a swimming pool, nobody's screaming for a lifeguard to save them except the one person that thinks they're drowning. Nobody cries out for a Savior until they believe they need one. And, and this man was understanding that he needed a Savior because he's, he's being punished for his sins. And he says this about Jesus. This man has done nothing amiss. If you don't know anything about Jesus, I want you to understand this. God took on human flesh came to this earth as a baby in a manger over 2,000 years ago, and he lived a perfect life. He never committed sin. He never did one thing wrong in his life, but they killed him anyway. They hung him in. Stop saying, I just don't know why life's hard on me. If we'd be honest, we all deserve worse than what we're getting. Man, if I had time right now for a dirt meter I'd start with these deacons and elders on the front. And, and, and listen, by the time we got through with the first person, We'd be, on the, we'd be on the altar repenting, realizing none of us are worthy. None, if you think you're worthy for God to let his son die for you, then you certainly are not redeemed because you have not realized Jesus never sinned. He paid, uh, he paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. In verse 42, and he said to Jesus, this criminal said to Jesus, Lord, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Now I want you to see the specificity of the words in this verse. He said to Jesus, comma, so we understand that he, the criminal, said to Jesus this one word, Lord. Now we say, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, Lord Jesus, help me. And we have lost the conceptual depth of the Jewish Hebraic mindset of what Lord means. Lord is a title of divinity. Lord is a, a title given to someone that you choose to surrender to, someone that you make your boss, your master, your controller, someone that you line up under and see as divine. And this was his image of Jesus. And he said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. That's faith. Say faith. You can't get saved by praying a prayer. You can't get saved by walking an aisle. You can't get saved by getting baptized, doing good works, or putting money in an offering bucket. The only way you can get saved is the way this guy got saved. You remember who you realize who Jesus is because the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through him. Works can't get you to heaven. Deeds, good things, nothing can get you. Church can't get you to heaven. Being a good person can't get you to heaven. But when you realize who Jesus is and you put faith, here's faith. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He had to believe Jesus had a kingdom. He had to believe Jesus was the Lord. This is him putting faith in Christ. And in verse 33, Jesus said to him, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I want to tell you today, it's never too late to call on Jesus. It's never too late to get real salvation. Some of, you, some of you know. Here's the scary part. Some of you know that you're not really saved, but you think that other people think you're saved, so you won't walk an aisle and give your life to Christ for real. 
Some of y'all know that you're not truly saved and you're going to go to hell if you die today, but you're so proud in your religion, you're worried what other people will think about you. I want to tell you something. It's never too late to get true salvation, and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the same Jesus that told this, this criminal that I'm going to save you right now and you're going to be in heaven with me today no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've been. If you'll just believe in him and ask him to save you, this is the kind of God we serve. He'll still save you today. Verse 44 says, And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness all over the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. I want to tell you, I don't have time to preach this this morning, but there's a reason why theologians believe that the sun was darkened and the whole earth was darkened. The historical accounts tell us it wasn't dark like night. It was dark like outer space. It wasn't dark like the sun went down. It was dark like there was no light in the world. It was can't see the hand in front of your face dark. And theologians believe, and I agree, that it was at this time when the great transference happened. The Bible said, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The Bible says that the spotless, perfect, sinless Lamb of God took upon his own body our sins. He bore our sins. He, he, every sin that was ever committed, sin of adultery, sin of pride, sin of murder, child molesting, rape, hatred, all of this was placed on Jesus. And because the Bible says God's eyes are too pure to look on sin, and sin separates you from a holy God, for the first time in all of eternity, the Father turned his back on his son, and he looked away from Jesus. Now get this, eternity, when we think about eternity, we normally think about eternity being in the future. But eternity is not just eternity future, but it's eternity past. And God and Jesus were together forever. Jesus didn't come on the scene uh, 2,000 years ago. In the very beginning of Genesis 1, Genesis is our book of the month this month, in the very first chapter, God said, let us make man in our image. Jesus has been around forever. Jesus uh, existed with God forever in perfect harmony and it was at this time that the earth went dark that the father looked away uh what where what's our bible text for that uh in matthew if you read this same gospel account you'll hear jesus cries out eli eli lama sabachthani in his native tongue which is to say my god my god why have you forsaken me now, I want you to get this, and I want you to think about this. Here Jesus is. Yes, he, he has duality, and I don't have time to preach duality to you, but you, you need to believe by faith that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. How can that be? By faith. The Bible says so because God said so. That's the answer why we believe that. But in his humanity, here Jesus is suffering, bleeding, never having done God wrong. The Bible says he was in, tempted in all ways just like us, never made the wrong choice, always honored his father, always was about his father's work. And when Jesus felt all that sin of Scott Becker and Henry West and you and everyone that ever lived, 
put on his body, and God recoiled from him and turned away from him. And he cried out, God, my father, why are you forsaking me? I've done everything you asked me to do. I've, I've given my everything for you. I let them beat me when I could have stopped them. I, I, I let them hang me on this cross when I could have called the angels to get me down. I could have taken myself off this cross. Why are you abandoning me? Why could you imagine being the best child in your father's home and he turns his back on you when you're serving him at the highest level this is the truth of what Jesus Christ did so that you could call yourself a Christian God abandoned his own son he turned his back on his own son Jesus had never felt a gap between him and his father and here Jesus is hanging on the cross suffering having been beaten all night long having been whipped 39 times with a cat of nine tails strips with nine strips strands of leather with metal and bone put in it. Vicious men hitting him as it wrapped around his body and ripped out chunks of flesh from his body. The Bible says that his bowels hung out. He was beaten and bloodied so bad the scripture tells us you couldn't discern if he was a man or a woman. He was naked but his bowels were hanging below his groin. You couldn't even determine if he was male or female. Here he's gone through all of this suffering and still God turned his back, forsook Jesus so that Scott Becker, the low-down scum of our sinner that I am, could have peace with God. I wish you would understand the price that has been paid so that you could call yourself a Christian. Verse 46, the Bible says, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. I want to tell you something. It wasn't three nails and a hammer that killed Jesus. It wasn't an all-night beating. And they put him through it. You need, I'm not going to take the time to preach all of this to you today, but you need to understand the crown of thorns wasn't a nice little hat they put on him. I've got one in my office that's pretty close uh, Look at what it probably looked like. You can stop by and see it anytime you want to. But a crown, it, it was large thorns that had been weaved into a circle and not just placed on the top of the head. Three and a half inch razor sharp thorns smashed down. And they didn't just do this to Jesus. They, they did this to lots of people. Smashed down into the brain. Piercing through the skull into the brain crown of thorns, ripped his beard out, spit on him, blindfolded him and took turns slapping him and saying, you know everything, what's the name of the man that slapped you? They abused him. We're so worried about this person being abused, what are we going to do about it? That person being abused, what are we going to do about it? I remember when the Rodney King beating happened and it was wrong and, and those people hopefully went to jail forever, but Bishop preached a message that week titled, We're Concerned About the Wrong King. He said, yeah, they beat Rodney wrong, and they did Rodney wrong, and they beat Rodney a few times in the head with a stick, but they beat my king all night long with a cat of nine tails, and they ripped his beard out, and they spit on him, and they mocked him. They abused Jesus, and if you don't feel any necessity to love him more than you do based on what he's done for you, I want to urge you today to find real salvation because the heart of every true Christian in the room right now says, I ought to love him better based on what he's done for me. 
And it wasn't the Romans that killed Jesus. It wasn't the Jews that killed Jesus. It wasn't the loss of blood that killed Jesus. The, the, the crucifixion was torture to, to kill them. And they didn't. Mo- if, if they survived the beating before the crucifixion, um, it wasn't going to be the loss of blood on the cross that killed them. They'd already survived that. What it is typically in crucifixion, if you study crucifixion, it's asphyxiation that causes the death. They can't breathe good. And when you can't breathe properly, when you can't fill your lungs up with air and expel the air, bodily fluids begin to gather in your lungs, and it's a slow choking to death process. That's why they hung them in a flex with their knees bent and their arms above their chest. makes it impossible to fill your lungs up with air hanging your body weight in this position. So what the people had to do as they were on the cross, they would have to pull down with their hands ripping the nails further into their hands and push up with their feet, ripping the nails further into their feet just to draw a breath and then collapse back down. And over and over and over, and as, as the lungs fill up with water and as the choking begins to happen, and this is God paying this price for the people that he loves. And when they were tired of that, and if you read the story, you know that it was Passover. So after they had let them suffer, three men on the cross, they come by with a stick to break the legs. Well, why do they break the legs? Because without the muscle, your legs are stronger than your arms. And without your legs to be able to push you up, you're going to choke out quicker. But when they came to Jesus, he had already given his spirit to the Lord. And he was dead, so they didn't break his legs, which fulfilled the prophecy that not one bone on his body would be broken. But I want you to understand, it wasn't the beating that killed him. It wasn't the crown of thorns that killed him. It wasn't the Romans that killed him. It wasn't the system that killed him. It was the sin of me and the sin of you that killed him. Because the payment for sin is death. Somebody had to die. And when nobody else was found worthy, God decided, I'll do it myself. And I want you to know, if you call yourself a Christian at all, it's only because God loved you enough to go through this excruciating torment. It was his love for us and his need for justice. You say, well, I don't believe a loving God would punish people in eternity, in torment. Well, I don't know what God you're trying to believe in, but the only God I believe in is the God of this book, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I promise you this, if God would let his only begotten son, the perfect, sinless, amazing, better than everyone else, the ancients call him holy other, if God will let Jesus go through all that torture and that death to pay for sins that he never even committed, you ought to, the Bible says it's a fearful thing to ha- fall into the hands of an angry God. You, you better make sure that your sin is covered by the blood because God's sense of justice demands there be payment for sin. And we come together today to remember his suffering and to remember his payment for sin. I'm thankful as a believer that the story doesn't end there. In, in the next chapter in Luke 24, in verse 1, the Bible says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher bringing spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. So Jesus is buried on Friday. They, they got Passover, so they can't come Friday night 
through Sunday, Saturday night, because that's Passover. They get ready, the stuff they need to bring. Sunday morning, they come to the tomb. And people ask, people ask, well, how can he be in the grave for three days? If he died on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's two days. I'm going to encourage you this. Go to Enterprise and rent a car. Rent a car. Rent a car at 5 o'clock on, on, rent a car at 4.30 on Friday, uh, on, on Monday. Bring it back at noon on the next day. You ain't even had it 24 hours. You think they're going to charge you for one day or two? Two days, because you had it on Monday and you had it on Tuesday. He, he was in the grave on Friday. He was in the grave on Saturday. He was in the grave on Sunday. Sunday morning they come to prepare his body because they rushed him off the cross and put him in a borrowed tomb because Passover was nigh and they didn't have time to prepare his body. So they come, his followers come on Sunday morning. Verse 2 says, and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. I want to tell you for sure. They, they, listen, God didn't roll the stone out of it. See, if you know the story, you understand. They put Jesus in this cave and they rolled a stone in front of it and they sealed it. And they posted guards around it because they were scared that his followers would come steal the body and say his claims of resurrection. Because Jesus told them all, you kill me, I'll raise myself from the dead. So they put him in this cave, put a rock in front of the cave, sealed it, put guards there. Listen, I want you to understand, Jesus did not move that rock so he could get out. God didn't roll the stone away so Jesus could get out. God rolled the stone away so humans could get in. God always does the work. You ought to thank God for a God that always does the work. They, they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. They entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to have a thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Spirit, that we serve a God that is not only better and different, but the only true God that is different from every other religion. Every religion outside of Christianity is a false religion. You can go to the grave site, uh, wherever they buried there, but you can go to uh, whoever the, the founder of every other religion is, you can go dig up Buddha's bones, you can go dig up Elijah Muhammad's bones, you can go dig up Confucius' bones, and you'll find out their bodies have rotted and decayed, and they are still laying wherever they got buried. But if you go to the place where they buried Jesus Christ, there's no rot, there's no decay. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. We serve a God who beat death, hell, and the grave. And they found out that he was not there. Verse 4 says, It came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? They're like, Why y'all looking for the Lord here? He ain't here. Verse 6 says, He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. I want to tell you something. People that know what God said, that's a good place to be, but you better remember it. Just because you knew the truth, I had people tell me, oh, Pastor, I got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost in the 70s. Well, you mean as the devil now, what's that doing for you today? They knew what God had told them, but they forgot. 
You need to stop forgetting what God has told you. Stop looking for some new information. Stop looking for some new revelation. Stop looking for some new fun, cool thing to sink your teeth in and, and understand what has already been revealed to you. Everybody that's saved in this room, whether you've been saved one day or a hundred years, you already know enough about God to, to serve Him forever. And I don't believe anybody that's ever been saved other than Jesus was living everything they know anyhow. They remembered what had been told to them. I'm going to read one more uh, part of this account out of St. John's Gospel. Then we're going to go to the Lord's table in John chapter 20 in verse 10. And this is just so awesome. I want you to hear it and think about it. In John 20 verse 10, the Bible says, Then the disciples went away again to their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. Now this is Mary, the one that everybody said was no good, the one that everybody said, if he knew who, how evil she was, he wouldn't let her touch his feet. They looked down on this woman. They called her a woman of ill repute. She had a bad reputation. But I'm going to tell you what, it don't matter how low you've fallen. Uh, if, if, if God saves you and you fall in love with God, it don't matter what people think about you. God is on your side. Mary had, real, Mary had a real love for Jesus. She had a real faith for Jesus. When everybody else left, they're like, well, he ain't here. Let's go on home. The heart cry of Mary, and oh, my God, I wish we had some merry-minded people in, in this church, some people who just want to be where he is. Some people that just, when other people leave, they ain't going to leave. When other people stray, they ain't going to stray. When other people have had enough and walk away, they're like, no, I've got to be where the Lord is. And she didn't know where he was, but she knew the last place she had been, and she was going to go find him because she needed him. I wish we had some people that need the Lord like that. Verse 12 says, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head of and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say to her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. I want you to hear the hurt in this woman. I want you to hear the heart cry of this person that loves God so much that she just wanted to see him again. She's like, she's telling them, I, they, they took him, and I don't know where he is so I don't even know. Listen, you wouldn't even know. If you're saved and you couldn't find God, you wouldn't even know what to do with yourself. Stop avoiding God. If you hear his voice, when he says, I stand at the door and knock, that's not for lost people. That's, that, that passage is talking to Christians. The Lord stands at the heart's door, at the door of your heart, and he knocks, and he says, if you'll open it up, he'll come in, and he will spend time with you. She just wanted to be where he was. In verse 14, it says, when she had... Thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Now, I got to imagine she's crying. She's, she's, she's disoriented. She, she's upset. She just wants to see Jesus, and here he is, but she doesn't recognize him. He's standing afar off, and she doesn't recognize him. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, woman, why weepest thou? 
Whom seekest thou? She's already answered these angels the same question. But now Jesus comes. Uh, and, and I want to tell you something. You want to know why Jesus came? This is the first resurrection appearance uh, of a dozen. The Bible says Jesus one time showed himself alive after his death to over 500 people. Jesus didn't choose to go to Caesar and say, ha, 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 you can't kill me. He didn't choose to go to Fox or CNN and say, check me out. He chose to go to the one that loved him the most. Women were devalued. You think women, all, all these feminazis trying to get women's rights in America, you think women are devalued in America? Women were property in this day and age in, in Israel. And this woman who everybody else looked down their nose at because of her love for him, I want to tell you something. Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it was the one that was seeking him that he revealed himself to first. If you want to see God, you want to be close to God, he said, come close to me. And I will get close to you. See, he said, Jesus asked her the same question. Why are you crying? What are you looking for? And the Bible says, she's supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Now get the context here. He's buried in a cave. There's a garden outside the cave. She thinks this person asking her these questions is just there to do his job. She figures, well, they hauled him off. Maybe this gardener did it. She said, sir, if you have borne him hence, if you have taken him, if you have carried him away from here, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Here's what she's saying. It's probably just your job to move him out of here. You probably just did what you did because it's your job, but it's more than a job for me. You don't have to to take care of him. I love him more than you do. Let me do it. Let me be the one. All you got to do is, listen, some of y'all are here and you're burdened to be here today. You're here because your mom or daddy made you come. You're here because your guilt made you come. You're here for whatever reason you're here for. But the people that really love God, they want to be here because they want to be close to God. It is not a job to the Christian to serve the Lord. It is a privilege and it is what we want. We want to be the ones to take care of him. We want to be the ones to serve him. We want to be the ones to sing to him we want to be the one to read his word we want to be close to she said you don't have to do it let me do it i'm so tired of hearing naggy critical complaining church folk talk about i'm tired of being the only one keeping the nursery stop keeping the nursery if it's a burden to you i'm tired of being the most faithful member of the choir get off the choir if it's a burden to you i'm tired of being the only one that shows up on prayer night stay home and watch tv if you don't want to be here there's a group of people that want to serve the lord there's a group of people that say if it's a burden to you let me do it verse 16 Jesus said Mary one word just one word he called her by her name and I want to tell you the the songwriter has it right when he said he knows my name if you're saved he knows your name and, and listen she had heard him say that word before she not new to Jesus she knew Jesus. She loved Jesus. She knew Jesus loved her. And when he called her name, verse 16 says, She turned herself and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say master. When he called her name, she knew it. She got the answer. She was looking for him. And guess what? He showed himself to her. Before he showed himself to any of the men, before he showed himself to any of his disciples, before he showed himself to any important people, he showed, listen, I'm so thankful that you don't have to be from the right side of the tracks and have it all together for God to reveal himself to you. If you love him and you want to find him, he is findable. Amen, that's right. 
verse 17, he said, touch me not. She's just grabbing and clinging. She's just wanting to touch him. She wanting to hug him. She's wanting to be near him. He said, don't touch me, for I haven't yet ascended to my father. Before he even left the ground to go to God in heaven, he hung out for the one who was hanging out for him. If you don't feel God close to you, it ain't because he pulled away. You need to go to where he is and get close to him. He said, I am yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. I don't have time to preach it, but there might not be a more awesome verse of scripture in all of the Bible. Jesus When he said, I ascend to my Father, there's no doubt that Jehovah is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. The the fact that Jesus legitimized Mary, the fact that Jesus legitimized the followers of Jesus by saying, God is not just my Father, He's your Father too. He's not just my God, He's your God too. I hope you got a He's my God religion. I hope you got a He's my Father religion. If you got anything less than that, you don't have true salvation. And in verse 18, the Bible says, Mary came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that He had spoken these things unto her. Oh, I want to tell you something. This true story that we've read today about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is foundational to salvation. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. And I hope that this isn't just a story to you. I hope to you that this is the story to you. This just isn't history. This is his story and this is what we believe as Christians. This is the truth of Christianity. We believe that God put on human flesh, came to this earth 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life, suffered, bled, died, paid for the sin of all mankind, raised himself from the dead on the third day. And if anybody will believe that, that they can be saved too. We're going to get ready to go to the Lord's table. But what, what I want you to do, I want you to get your mind together. I want you to get your mind Right. I, I want to read as, as, as we transition now to back into our text of 1 Corinthians. I want you to read the instruction on how to take the Lord's Supper. Different churches do things different ways. We're a Bible church. We're going to do it the Bible way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 17, don't fade on me. This is the word of the Lord. The Apostle Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to the church at Corinth. And he says in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 11, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. They were having the Lord's Supper. They were having this memorial meal in Corinth. Paul comes along and he's like, hey, I'm going to tell y'all something. I ain't about, I ain't about to tell y'all y'all doing a good job because you're not. What you're doing is, is not right. This ain't the Lord's Supper. They're like, oh, it is the Lord's Supper. It's on, it's on the menu. Uh, it's on the program. It says it right there. See, praise and worship, announcements, meet and greet, Lord's Supper. They, and he's like, no, this, this ain't right. What you're doing is not right. Verse 18, he said, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. I want to tell you something. If you're divided from your brothers and sisters in this room today, if you're a racist, don't take the Lord's Supper. The Bible says it, might, it could make you sick or kill you. 
You ought to examine yourself. You ought not to have division. If you're in here and you don't like the preacher, you shouldn't be at this church. Find a different church. If you're here and you don't like the elders and the deacons of this church, uh, the Bible says that God ordained elders and deacons to lead the church. And, and if you're opposed to the leadership of this church, find you a different place to go to. We ain't going to be mad at you. We ain't going to pay your light bill again neither. He said, what y'all are doing, there's divisions. This, this ain't right. Verse 19, he said, there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Y'all believe something different than what the apostles believe. Y'all are arguing, well, I don't think pastor know what he's talking about. Well, you, you can't take the Lord's Supper. Not holy, not right, not spiritual. Verse 20, he says, and when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. And they're like, sure it is. We, 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 we announced it last week. It is to eat the Lord's Supper. He said, no, what y'all are doing is not the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every man taketh before the other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What, have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise you the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? I praise you not. Here's the context. Here's what was going on. Ain't, ain't much change in 2,000 years ago. There were haves and have-nots. There were rich people and poor people. There were people that had houses and food, and there were people that were homeless and hungry. And here's what was going on. They were having a party before the Lord's Supper. They were inviting a few of the well-to-do people over, and they were eating gigantic feasts and getting drunk. And then they were opening the doors and letting the poor people come in and giving them a small little piece of bread and a tiny little piece of, uh, drop of wine and saying, ain't we so holy and ain't we so spiritual? Listen, let me tell you something. If you, God didn't call us uh, just to look out for people's spiritual well-being. He called us to look out for their physical well-being too. It's not enough just to preach gospel to poor and hungry people. We got to step up and meet needs. Can somebody say amen? amen? And so I don't feel like it's right for me or for this church to have food in my belly and you to be hungry, shoes on my feet, and you not to have shoes on your feet. Listen, if you or somebody in your family don't have shoes that fit you, you can't afford to buy them, if you don't have milk in your refrigerator, if you don't have cereal in your cabinet, if you don't have enough food to feed your family, I'm not going to offer you this tiny little piece of bread and this tiny little piece of juice. I, I, before, before we even offer you that, here's my offer to you. If you're hungry and you can't afford food, we'll give you food. If, 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 you, if you're needy and you can't afford clothes, we'll give you. That's what we're here for. We're not here to take up money to, to build a bigger building. We are where we are. We're here to take up money to minister to people and to advance the cause of Christ. These people were the haves and the have-nots, and they were feasting before they let the regular people in. And, and the Bible says that ain't the right way to do it. That ain't how to do it at all. So if you, if you have a need today, if you don't have gas money in your car and you need gas money in your car, listen, don't try me. Don't, 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 don't hustle me. God is watching. But if you have a legitimate need and you love the Lord, and, and I've, known, I've, I've had people tell me, Pastor, I don't have gas money to get home, but I just believed I needed to be in church today. Listen, if that's you today, I got gas money for you. See me before you leave this place. We're here for you. We're not just here to talk about loving God. We're here to love God and to love each other. Verse 23, it says, For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. He said, The Lord taught me. See, when Paul got saved, he spent three and a half years with the Lord in the desert getting one-on-one -on -one instruction from Jesus because Paul didn't follow Jesus when he was on the earth. He followed Jesus after Jesus was raised from the dead. He said, 
I received of the Lord that which also I delivered. I'm telling you what he told me. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also, he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Hear the word of the Lord. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you to show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, now wherefore, whenever you see the word wherefore or therefore, you need to stop and consider what it's there for. What it's saying is based on everything I've just said, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of the cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat that bread and drink that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That's the same word we use for dead. Verse 31 says, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. I remember when I first got saved and they were having the Lord's Supper, the preacher preached those verses. He said, some of y'all don't need to take this. You need to examine yourself because if you take it unworthy, then you're going to get sick or die. And I didn't take it. And I had a deacon uh, that uh, was, had taken an interest in my, in my life. And he's like, Scott, man, you just got saved. Why didn't you take communion today? And I just started crying. I said, because I'm not worthy to take communion. I said, I'm not like the rest of y'all. I'm not a good person. I haven't done great things in my life. I've done a lot of bad things in my life. And I'm not worthy to take it. And it was then by God's grace that this man began to share with me. He said, Scott, none of us are worthy in that way. We become worthy in God by believing in Him. It's by faith that we're made righteous. And if you believe in God and you love Him more than you love your sin, and you'll get right right before we take communion, the next time we take it, I want you to take it. And I'm telling you today, if you're here and you're stuck in your sin and you're holding on to sin and you're unsaved, we have what's called theologically open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of our church to take communion. But the Bible does not offer communion to everyone. You got to be saved and you got to be in love with God more than you're in love with your sin. And we're going to take a moment right now before we go, and I'm about to come down there and administer this bread and this cup, but we're going to take a minute right now, and I want you to get your mind worthy by telling the worthy one that you love him more than you love yourself. And if you're not saved, you don't have to walk this aisle and pray with me. You don't have to shake my hand. We're not going to vote on whether or not we receive you. All that's church. If you're not saved, the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here and you're not saved, right before we take this, I want you to ask God to save you. If you're here and you are saved, I want us to do what the Scripture tells us to do. I want us to take a moment. I'm not going to ask you to come down to this altar, but I want you just to bow your head. I I, I want uh, Elder Keon uh, to play this song by this little blind girl, Jenny Owens. And, and she, she talks about life not always being easy. But because he did for her what he did for all of us, she, she said, I, I'll remember the suffering your love put you through. And I'll go through the valley if you want me to. I want to tell you something today, Christian. God has never asked you to do anything that was harder than what he did for us. 
And whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're unforgiving about, whatever you're holding against another person, whatever you're bitter about, whatever you're fearful about, whatever you don't understand, you need to know this. God loves you. And He wants you to let go of all that other stuff and just love Him back. You need to have the same mindset that Jesus had in the Garden of Gethsemane when He said, Lord, this is difficult, this is hard, and I don't really want to do it. But I choose your will to be done and not my will. I want everybody right now, while we go ahead and play that song, I want you to hear the words of this song. But more importantly, I want you to bow your heads and pray. And I want you to take this time and ask God to forgive you of your sins. I want everybody in this room to get ready to receive communion from the Lord. talk to the Holy One.
God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the suffering that you endured for us. And we come to your table now, God, thankful for your love for us and for giving us the faith to believe in you. God, as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we remember your suffering and we believe that you are coming back. Thank you, God, for salvation. Thank you for making us accepted in your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Different churches have different traditions and different way of doing things, and I don't take for granted that you know ours. So let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to have the elders and deacons. They're going to pass out the bread first. And I just want you to hold this wafer in your hand. And I want you to think about everything that Jesus did for you. I want you to think about everything he means to you. And some people will get it first. Some people will get it last. And I want you just to hold it there. And we'll pray over it together. And we'll eat it together. We're going to do it different than we've ever done it before. Um, and we're not rushing today. Uh, but we're going to try to move through this in a timely fashion. But we are not going to just let you reach in and touch every cracker in this tray. Um, for health purposes, uh, we're going to have the deacons and the elders who are gloved up, and y'all go ahead and mask up right now, who are gloved up and masked up. They're going to bring this to you, and they, they, uh, these gloves are fresh out of the box. These are brand-new masks, and they are going to um, take uh, the, the bread, and they are going to hand you uh, a piece of the bread, and they're going to take the cup, and that way you don't have people fingering your, your, your food and, and, and your drink. And if for whatever reason, and I hope that you'll take it, if you're saved, if you love the Lord, realize that uh, we are the righteousness of God in him. But if for some reason you don't want it, just, just tell them you don't want it, and uh, they, they'll move on to the next person. Then after we pray and eat that together, same thing with the juice they'll come by and give it to you hold it and as you hold that juice in your hand i want you to remember the blood of jesus that poured down from his body so that he could offer his blood and his life as a sacrifice for our sins we're going to play a song now called broken and spilled out that talks about what the lord has done for us consider the words that he sung as we think about all that the Lord has done for us. this be a holy time for you. I want you to think about what God did for you. Hold that in your hand. 
think about the body that they tore into. He was wounded for us. He was bruised for us. As you hold this in your hand, I want you to pray with me. God, we thank you for dying for us, for giving your life for us. As we hold this memorial cracker in our hand, we consider the body that you lived in on this earth, the body that you allowed to be pierced, bruised, and wounded for us, and we give you thanks in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, the Bible said when Jesus had given thanks, he took the bread and he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And they ate. going to pass out this juice. I want you to hold it in your hand and think about the blood of the Lord. And then we'll pray and we'll take it together. song is called the Via Dolorosa and it means the way of suffering and I want you to remember the suffering of the Lord Bible says we have redemption through his blood. Hold that cup and think about the blood that came from the Lord.
as you hold that cup in your hand, and the color represents the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed so that we could have forgiveness. I want you to pray with me. God, we thank you for shedding your blood for us. We remember your suffering, how you suffered and bled and died for us. And we do this in your memory. The scripture says, after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. And they drank. We've never even said this before. I've never thought to even do this before. But I want to make sure that we as the followers of the resurrected Lord Jesus honor him today and fulfill his command as he's told us to. So here's what we're going to say. We're going to say together, I remember you. Would you do that with me? Let's say it together. I remember you. Say it again. I remember you. Pray with me. God, thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for the patience of the people, God, to not rush to your table. Father, I pray that you would wake us up from our sleep. Wake us up from our apathy. Fill us with your spirit. And give us a passion and a desire to remember you always and to live our lives fully for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.